Hey, listen, I want to introduce you to somebody. This is a good friend of mine, Bruce Baker. Bruce is an elder here at 1910 Church. And listen, here's the deal. Bruce has reason to raise a praise. Tell us about it, Bruce. All right. Well, thank you all. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. Uh, first, let me, that pretty lady over there with the white top on, that's my bride of 46 years. Yeah. Sometimes I love the song we just sang because sometimes when we're in the fire, you just feel the heat. And having to reflect and talk to y'all today made me look back. And when you look back, you can see the one standing beside you all the way. So I'll give praise for that. I've had a trying two and a half years. Um, started, I've had six surgeries. I almost died of anaphylactic shock. I had uh, radiation for cancer. I had hormone therapy for cancer. And most recently, I had heart surgery. So it's been sort of an interesting time. Uh, let me tell you about almost dying. That's, everybody likes this story. I ate four pieces of candy about that big, Twistlers, that equated to one Twistler about that long. I started feeling real strange at the conclusion of that, called Cheryl, and she was coming out of the theater with my granddaughters, and she said, go take two Benadryl right this minute. It was all I could do to swallow those, and then it was all I could do to remain conscious until she got home and called EMS. When they got there, my blood pressure was 67 over 34. I had very little pulse and zero oxygen in my blood. The EMS guys took me to the hospital and they told me if I hadn't taken those two Benadryl, I wouldn't have made it until they got there. When I got to the hospital, they told me if the EMS guys had been as much as one minute later, I wouldn't have made it. So, kind of an interesting story. But the... Back in early February, I went to the doctor, not for me, I actually went for Cheryl, and uh, our family doc picked up the fact that I had a heart murmur. And after he picked that fact up, we had a bunch of tests run, and two weeks later, I had heart surgery. Now, before I tell you the rest of that story, God speaks to us in many different ways. He speaks to me a lot of times in dreams, okay? Uh, I had a reoccurring dream when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer of what process to go through for treatment. And I pursued that treatment. And as of last week, my blood work shows that I, my cancer is in remission, so I do not have cancer. The next dream relates to the heart surgery, and this is actually my favorite. Uh, I was packed up and ready to go to the hospital in this dream and I had five suitcases all stacked against the wall. And an angel came and he threw all those suitcases aside and grabbed the bottom one up and he said, this is the only one that you need to take. This is the only one that's important. I said, what's in that suitcase? And he said, it's the prayers of God's people and the Spirit of God. That one is the only one that you can take with you. Okay, well, on February the 20th of this year, I had four-hour surgery to replace the mitral valve on the backside of my heart. They put me on a, on a heart machine. They stopped my heart, put me on a bypass machine, deflated my lungs, and repaired the valve. I was in ICU for three days in the hospital for seven days. On the ninth day, I went to my office and read my mail. On the 16th day, they released me to drive and do anything I wanted to do. 
Here I stand before you today with a report from last week that says my valve is working perfectly and my heart is back to normal size. And I'm here to tell you that my God heals. Yes, he does. There's, but it's more, but it's more than healing. God restores. Yes. He stands beside us. He walks with us, talks with us, holds our hand, and he's in control. He's in control of everything. The greatest praise that I have for what transpired was is that Cheryl and I were on the same page. We acknowledge the fact that God had it. He's sovereign. He's in control. Regardless of the outcome, we're going to praise Him. So can I hear a praise in this house yeah. today for my God? Let's raise the praise. Come on, church. Thank you. Come all. on, church. Woo. Oh, man. See, that's worth getting out of bed for today. That's worth you coming right there. God is so good. Woo, thank you, Lord. I love that story of healing. Because here's the deal. If we're not careful, we, we, we can take God's word and read about healings that took place in, in, in Scripture. And we say, you know what? That, that's stuff that used to take place. John Stewart, I'm telling you, it still happens today. So I wanted Bruce to get up here. I'm telling you, it was interesting because I'd, I'd forgotten some of those situations in Bruce's life. And, and Bruce called me and said, Pastor said, listen, I, as I've been looking back the last two and a half years, there's been about six or seven events that, that, that have really just proven the power of God. One of those things, I love what you said to me though, was you said, it was the prayers of the saints, the prayers of the saints that make a difference. I'm gonna let you guys just know right now, I'm giving you the ending today, right now. Before we leave here today, we're gonna pray believing prayers for healing over people. I want you to know that because someone here today has got some sort of a health diagnosis or there's something that's come against you. You're, you're, you're just, there's a, you're off in some form. We're gonna pray believing prayers today for healing. Yes. Yes. You know, when you read about Jesus healing the sick and the lame, sometimes there's this word doubt that creeps into our thoughts. And we can begin to wonder and question, does that really happen? Come on, I know that, that some of those things that I read about in scripture, they just seem a little, that, 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 that's, that's kind of like um, Hollywoodish. You know what I mean? That, that you have to create these dramatic, come on, can I really have, I really believe that. Here's what I'm praying. Today, today, we're, we're going to doubt our doubts, okay? And, and, and I believe this, we must believe that our God is still on the move and we must believe that our God is still a God who heals. His name is Jehovah Rapha. It's the God who heals. Even in the Old Testament, God said things like this. I am God. I am the one who heals you. Do we believe that? You see, Bruce Baker believed it, but you believe it at a different level probably now so, don't you, Bruce? And for all of us that have been on a journey with him in the midst of that, he bears witness. He's given testimony today that God does it. God brings healing. Today, I want to read a familiar story to you, to, to some of you. It's, it's going to be quite familiar. It's in, found in the book of John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, I want, to, I want to read a story. But before I get to John chapter 9, you, you, you need to know a little bit about John chapter 8. Okay, I, 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 I'm no theologian, but I know that 
that there's an eight before nine, okay? And, and I think it's important as we set the tone for what's happening in John 9 for you to understand a little bit of, of what's happening here. John chapter eight ends with Jesus being confronted by a group of, of Pharisees, religious leaders during his time. And, 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 and they've heard some stories and, 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 and people are starting to follow Jesus and, 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 and Jesus makes a statement in their presence that just really torques them off, sets them off. I, I think Jesus sometimes has just got a little attitude and I think Pete, sometimes he likes to just cause a little controversy. And, and, and in John chapter eight, Jesus makes this statement in their presence. He declares this to them. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. And it was that that statement in John chapter eight that, that, that these Jews begin to pick up stones and they're wanting to stone Jesus. That's blasphemy. And that calls for death. But Jesus is like a ninja. You can tweet that if you want to. Jesus in John chapter eight kind of slips away before they can really begin to cast those stones his way. He, he, he kind of vanishes from the temple grounds. But on his way out, we find John chapter nine opening up. And I wanna read to you from the word of God today. Are you guys okay with if I read some Bible to you this morning, okay? In John chapter nine, here's the story. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. How long has this man been blind? Right, every moment of his life. Verse two says, Rabbi, his disciples ask him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? You see, there was a thought back then that any, any health issue that came across you or, or any difficult situation, you or someone in your family must be the one that brought the wrath of God upon you. Sometimes people believe that even in our culture, don't they? Oh, you're jacked up, so you must have done something that, that brought this illness your way. Bruce, you must have done something to cause your, your heart valve to, to, to be messed up, right? Or, or uh, you, you lost your job, or, or, or there, there's, you must have been the cause of that. And that's what's happening here in John chapter 9. The disciples saying, Rabbi, this man's been blind since birth. Was it because of his sins or, or was it because of his parents' sins? And Jesus says in verse three, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. And then don't miss this next statement. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Let me read that again. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. I'm not saying that Bruce Baker had a valve issue in his heart or, or a little piece of red Twizzler took him down for any, but it might just be so the power of God could be seen through this situation. Are you with me today, somebody? Verse four says, Jesus says, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. Verse six says, then Jesus spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. And he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. And he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means what? You guys are so smart. Oh, it's on the screen. You're good readers. Thank you. 
Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and he came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar ask each other, isn't this the man that used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes. And he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. And so I went and washed and now I can see. How many of you know good things happen when you wash? Verse 12 says, well, where is he now? They ask him. I don't know, he replied. And then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Uh Uh-oh, scandalous. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. And so he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and then I washed it away and I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? And so there was this deep division of opinion among them. And the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and they demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? And the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. And the Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man who had been blind that he can now see. And so they called in his parents and they asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? Really, was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him yourself. He's old enough to speak for himself. It's kind of fun, isn't it? His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying that Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he's old enough, ask him. And so for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this, say it with me. I was blind, but now I can see amazing grace. That's why I once was lost, but now am found. Was, but now I see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look. The man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I love that. I made a statement last week and and, and I'm I'm gonna just share it with you again as we dive into this story that pain and suffering were, were never a part of God's plan from the beginning. You know that, right? There was a time in all of creation, in all of history, where things were right and proper exactly as God intended for them to be, right? And I don't know if after on day eight or nine or 20 years down the road, I don't know when, when this 
happen, but, but at some point, man rebelled against God. Man began to, to do his own thing, and that is the moment that we know that this thing called sin entered into the world, and, and it has completely turned things upside down ever since, hasn't it? It's still present. We're still eat up with it in our culture today, right? Come on, how many of you know some sinners? Raise your hand. You better, every one of you better get your hands in the air, right? Because we are those, right? But it's because of this sin, because of this rebellious spirit, that's why disorder, that's why destruction, that's why blindness, that's why illness, that's why pain and suffering, that's why those things have become the new norm in this rebellious world in which we find ourselves living into this day. Now, this man in John chapter nine was born blind. This man that we read about had never seen the beauty of God's creation. This man's been blind every day of his life. He had never even seen the faces of his mother and father, much less loved ones or friends or other family members. But when Jesus arrives on the scene in John chapter nine, everything in this man's life changes. We know for one thing that changed about him is he's able to receive his eyesight. Now, when I read this story in John chapter nine, again, this word doubt begins to even creep into my thinking. And and there are some things that just kind of raise some questions, even for me, as I I read this story. For instance, it it doesn't make sense to me that Jesus would would perform this healing during what, what scripture calls the festival of booths. Here's the reason why. The city is extremely crowded during this festival that's taking place. The the, the Feast of Booths, now known to many of us, Bruce and Cheryl, as what? The Feast of Tabernacles is what we're known, it's known for today. It's the seventh and it is the, it's the last festival on the biblical calendar. It, it, it's traced back to Leviticus chapter 23. It's also known in the Hebrew as Sukkot, Sukkot. And the premise of it is this, God, God wanted the Israelites to, to observe this festival, Sukkot, by, by remembering those temporary shelters that God provided for their ancestors, the Israelites, while they wandered in the wilderness. God provided for them. God took care of them. And, 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 and so, so Sukkot is, means it's booth. And, and, and during this festival, it's a reminder to the Jewish people, look how God provided when we were without shelter. And, and, and every year during Sukkot, it, it's a tremendous time of, of celebration. It's, it's their fiesta, much like many of you maybe have been enjoying over the last few days. But there's so much rejoicing. Why would they rejoice? Well, because it was during this time in ancient Israel when the harvest season was over and that God would, would remind, the people would be reminded of how God had provided more than enough food than what they needed. How many of you know that God is able to do far more than we could ever dream or imagine? He can, he can. He does so much more than we could ever think of. And so the Sukkot was this time for them to go up to Jerusalem and to give thanks, to to go to the temple and worship. There were parades, there were festivals, there was much dancing and singing taking place during this time. And it was an annual pilgrimage uh, uh, for, for, for Jewish men 
People from the whole nation showed up to Jerusalem. They would show up and celebrate and remember all that God was doing. And so, so it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense that the, the, the city's crowded. It's packed. Festivals and celebrations and all this is going on as people make their way to the temple. Now, here's why that's significant to me. Because it's interesting that there were times in which, and just as we saw in John chapter 8, that Jesus in this setting would make his way out of the city. He, 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 first of all, his life was in danger, but because the time had not yet come for him to be handed over, right? Um, and, and so it's, it's interesting because this is all happening and Jesus heals this man. I'm reminded that there were other instances in scripture when Jesus healed people and he would tell them something. Don't tell anyone what I've done for you. The, 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 the demoniac, there's an inst- instance with the lepers that Jesus healed. The, there's instances with other blind beggars that Jesus would heal. Jairus' daughter. Hey, don't tell anyone what I've done for you. Now, people were just like us today. I don't know when something good happens to you. It's hard to keep it in, isn't it? Right? It is hard to keep that to yourself. And that's what would happen oftentimes. These people could not stay quiet. They wanted to raise a praise. They wanted to give God glory and thank him for the sight they received or their skin now looking normal and not falling off or dead people being raised back to life. They wanted to give, why would he tell them? Not? Well, I think for one thing, Jesus knew that people are so enamored with miraculous things that that might hinder or limit the opportunity had to preach and teach about the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't want to be some sort of a carnival sideshow where people just gathered around him just so that they could do something for him. Did we not just sing a song? I'm not here for the blessings that you can bring me. I just want you, Jesus. Is that enough for you? Is Jesus just enough or are we maybe like some people today, we just want to come to Jesus because we want him to do something for us. I need a blessing from you. So I'm going to come to church and worship because surely if I give you 70 minutes a week, Jesus, surely you'll be a genie in a bottle for me and do whatever I want you to do. And that's how we treat him, don't we? Jesus knew that people would be thronging coming to him because of the miraculous. And he didn't want that. He, he also knew that, 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 that it would hinder him being able to enter certain cities, certain areas, because people would come to see the miracle man. He is a miracle man, but he's also teacher. He's also instructing people in the ways of God, the word of God. And so for Jesus to be a healer during this celebration, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know if you caught it when I read John chapter nine, but the method of healing that Jesus uses here is pretty unconventional, isn't it? You you ever gone to the eye doctor and said, I got this. (laughs) Boom, you ever been healed that way? Cataracts gone, is that how they did it for you? Lasix, nope. It's an unconventional healing method here. Would you agree with me in John chapter nine? We we, we find that Jesus spits on the ground. He makes some mud and he places that mud pack over the man's eyes. It's crazy, isn't it? 
I don't recommend it in the days and times in which we live. Praise God for science and medicine, okay? But here's what's significant about this. This really catches me. It's interesting that Jesus uses this method because that is the same method, the same manner that you and I were created. You realize that, right? You go back to Genesis chapter one and it says that God formed man out of the dirt, the dust of the ground. And there was, he was given shape and form, but it was lifeless until what happened? <sighs> Breath, moisture, saliva entering into dirt and spit, life pretty significant, isn't it? I, I can't help but think that, that some that were there probably had heard and maybe even remembered something about the ways of God. I don't know. And Oh, this man is using the same method, dirt and spit. He healed on the Sabbath. That doesn't make sense. Jesus knew that that would cause problems. He knew. He's so scandalous. Again, I think Jesus loves to stir things up every once in a while, cause some controversy for the purposes of people coming to him and returning to him, right? And I don't know that maybe sometimes there might just be a health issue. I'm just, could it possibly that sometimes we face a difficulty, a struggle or a trial to cause us to return to the Father as well? Just a thought. But he heals on the Sabbath, the religious leaders are not going to have any of that. It's interesting to me that they would work by forming judgments and accusations against it. They can work, but he can't. Healing somebody on the Sabbath. Come on, Jesus had all the... He's so rebellious, isn't he? And think about it. Jesus didn't heal the man immediately. He, he, he puts the mud on his face and, and then he sends him to go to the pool of Siloam. Can you just see this? A blind man, mud on his face, crowded city, and he's got to find his way to a pool of Siloam? There, there was probably a closer pool, the pool of Bethesda, but that pool was known for its pagan practices and, and Jesus wasn't about to send him there. But can you just see what's happening here? A blind guy bumping into how many people? Of course, he's a man, so, well, he probably did stop and ask for directions. He needed somebody to help him, right? But he's bumping in and trying to find his way to the pool of Siloam. Here's what I love about that. The sent one of God sends one to the sent place. Pool, Siloam, sent the sent one, Jesus, sent of God, sends one, this blind man, to the sent place. Don't you just love scripture? Absolutely incredible. This man had to be obedient. He had to follow what the Lord was asking of him and go to this place. This man who had never seen Jesus with his eyes. I think he, this man had heard Jesus' voice though. I think he was probably near the temple when Jesus is making such, such declarations like in John chapter eight when he says, I am the light of the world. 
He didn't recognize the face, but he recognized the voice. And he was obedient to go and do what Jesus told him to. Hey, check this out. We've never physically seen the face of Jesus. But many of us in this room and watching online too have heard his voice and he's told us what to do. Will we respond with obedience like a blind beggar in John chapter nine? He goes and he washes. He washes and he receives his sight. Scripture fulfilled. What do you mean by that, Jason? Well, look what some of the Old Testament prophecies were about the coming Messiah. In Psalm 146, it says, he gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The prophet Isaiah would write these words, and when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and he will unplug deaf ears. The lame will leap like a deer. And those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Wow. So what does this have to do with us today? What's the word of encouragement with this story for us today? Two things and then we're out. Actually, we're gonna pray believing prayers for healing today. Have I told you that? You know who you are. Here's what I want you to know. Two things. Even in our pain, God has a plan. You ever seen your difficulties or struggles or pain from that perspective? That even in the midst of, 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 of heart surgeries or even in the midst of, 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 of relationship issues, even in the midst of, of not knowing how we're gonna make ends meet, even in the midst of our pain, God has a great plan. Do you remember what the plan was that Jesus says in this story in verse three? What did he say? This has been done so that the glory of God could be revealed. And just maybe, just maybe, is it possible that through our pain, God is working something beautiful in the midst of that so he could receive? Romans 8, God works all things together for, hang on, somebody don't. God works all things together for what? Good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. I love this quote from Helen Keller. She said, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. Come on, somebody. We ought to raise a praise because we've overcome some junk and funk in our lives, haven't we? Is there anybody here that's not ever been through a difficult, adverse circumstance? Anybody? Anybody? No, you're all overcomers. Even in your pain, God has a plan. Secondly, I would just say this real quick. God will not always do things the way you expect him to. <laughs> he will not always do. Again, we think he's a genie in a bottle and he ought to do it in our timing and in our, the way we think it should. It, but I'm telling you, do you think the blind beggar that day thought, dude, I'm, I'm just hoping that somebody just throws some mud on my face today. <laughs> no, but yet that's where the miracle came. It didn't happen the way that it, it's on a Sabbath. Come on, does, does, does this so-called Messiah not know that you're not supposed to heal people on the Sabbath? Doesn't matter to Jesus. God will not always do things the way we expect him to. I mean, seriously, dirt and spit and go wash in the pool? Didn't make sense. But it was the exact way that Jesus 
moved in a man's life that day. Here's the reality of it all. For some of you here today, you're in a situation right now and and, and God wants to work in the midst of it. And it may not happen the way you think it should, but I want you to know he still can do it. He's more than able. You know, the great thing is about this story in John chapter nine, as if receiving your sight, being blind from birth and being able to see is not good enough. Can I just tell you how it ends? You see, there's more to John chapter nine. He goes and washes and he comes back and he, well, he bumps into the one who just healed him, Jesus. Look what it says in verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and he asked, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered him, who is he, sir? I I, I want to believe in him. Wouldn't you want to? You just received your, your sight? And Jesus said, you have seen him, Jesus said. And he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshiped Jesus. Can I tell you what the greatest miracle to me in John chapter nine is? is It's not the opening of the eyes, but it's the opening of a heart to a savior. That's the greatest miracle. I think the greatest miracle that can ever happen for a human being is to be brought from death to life. And that's what happens when Jesus comes into your life. Are you with me today, church? Don't miss the miracle. 